of things and make you sing and tap your little toes. Oh, oh I want to know. Three, wait, two, one. So, hey Deborah, hey Chantel, we are live. We are live for the podcast from Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, so we're upstairs. If you're at the PMA conference right now, we are upstairs and above the registration lobby. We'd love to have you join us. We would walk up the stairs, turn right. We're sitting on the couches. We're drinking wine. You can bring your food. You can bring your booze. Mm-hmm. This is the Thinking Pilates podcast, and uh, we're recording. And tonight. What are, what are we talking about? Deborah, tell us. What are we talking about? We are we're talking about what happens when, if, you take the push or the extra effort out of your work, make it a little softer, and then begin to notice how you feel differently, obviously, in your body, but how the world starts to look different, how your world starts to look different when you see the world through those eyes that are taking that push away. So uh, so I think one of the things that's really interesting, and we have talked about it multiple times, and I've actually been talking to people about it, um, is where this came from. Okay. So here, you hold this. All right. So the inspiration for this podcast is that in February, I'm going to be down in Santa Fe with Michelle Larson and Suzanne Gutterson, um, participating in a, a legacy tribute to Eve Gentry. And so in preparation for that, I went back and started looking at everything I could find from my um, apprenticeship with her, but also everything that the Pilates Anytime people have availed uh, availed uh, for us online. There's a beautiful new documentary that actually is synced up with Eve's voice now that Michelle did an amazing job. I don't know how. Um, it's footage that you may have seen already, but now the you actually can watch it and hear Eve speaking, which is beautiful and just blew my mind. And at one point... There she is talking, and um, what she's talking about is this thing that she used to talk to me about when I was down there with her um, apprenticing, how it was when she came to Santa Fe and left New York and left the drive and left the competition and was allowed to be just by herself on her own, that she actually found herself and she found her own way through the work, through the material, and um, herself. And in this, in this particular part of the, of the documentary that I was listening to, she talks about how at a certain point she just stopped pushing. She stopped pushing the work. She stopped pushing the material. And she just did it from a softer place. And that what she realized was, of course, her body felt different. Her relationship to the method was different. But what was more surprising and not expected was literally how her how she saw life mm-hmm. was different. And to me, that's, I mean, I just, I love that. It's what I, it's what I got from her initially. And I had not forgotten it, but to hear her say it again was amazing. And, um, and I just think it's an incredible exploration to see how everything in our life changes, how we view our, our world, how we are in relationship with each other, how everything looks, depending on how we're moving our bodies. Um, there was something, oh, there was something in uh, Trent, Trent's uh, yes. workshop today that yes. I thought was really um, revealing and apropos for this conversation, which was, you can't, uh, you've got to be quiet sometimes, which we know, and we've talked about that, but also you can't manufacture 
good movement, right? You can't force it to happen. You can't overcue it to happen, but you've got to just stand back a little bit. And he even talked about like, you got to get out of the uh, students. Yeah. Field of view, which I thought was really fantastic. Um, there were a lot of layers to what he was talking about, but that struck me particularly because it, it made me think of this question, like pushing. So, and so that's my experience and that's a way that we push, push each other. We push we, our we people. Push, yes, we push our students. Mm-hmm. Um, and we push ourselves, right, because we have expectations. Uh, so it's, it's just very interesting that this is one way that that idea mm-hmm. can manifest. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up trends because, you know, words are so powerful. And uh, the other thing that he said today also that I was like, oh, i got to really grapple with this for a while. His thing was um, more struggle equals more success and I thought well we got to really chew on this yeah because if I'm looking at not pushing and going softer that I get what he's talking about you can't you have to bring people to their edge we Mm -hmm. call it working level at the Pilates Center Mm -hmm. somebody else I've studied with calls it level of capability and I know it's a thing in training Mm -hmm. you know you have to go to that place where you're not being traumatized right or re-traumatized but you can't just hang out in your comfort zone yeah. where nothing ever changes. So I think that um, that's also like a really cool thing to to really consider. What does that mean? More struggle equals more result. But how do you get that? What does that mean? Struggle, but not overly push. Well, that's interesting because I came in late okay. to that and I missed the context. And I was talking to Kristen, who's behind the camera for the Facebook Live. Uh, who's going to talk with us in just a minute, I think. I was. I said to her, I said, I'm not sure about this idea of more struggle equals, what is it, more success? Yeah, or because I actually results. checked my notes at one point because I'm like, did he really say that? Yeah. So from a, from a neurological standpoint, right, that neuroscience you have to be, vantage point. You can't have it too easy or you won't start to lay down the new pattern. Right, right. So it is interesting, and it is interesting to think about what that can look like and what that means and what I saw him do, what I took away without having that initial context was the layering of complexity and or, you know, um, a challenge, but not from the point of pushing. Well, because he also said, it's funny, this is about Trent now, but <laughs> we're having a Trent <laughs> podcast. We love you, Trent. But um, it was, so the whole idea was, yes, that thing that we're saying, more struggle but also, right, no pain, no fear, fear. and no startle. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So these are all kind of cool things to consider. How do you, what is all that? I mean, a lot of it's semantics in a way. Yes. And mm-hmm. the words represent different things to us in different ways. But no pain, no fear, no startle, mm-hmm. but yes, struggle. So push less, soften, but but get it up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> well, you have you, uh, you you have to be you do have to be challenged, right? In order to see what's there. There's no development. There's no development if you're. It's like a whole developmental patterning kind of thing too. You know, if there's no if there's no motivation. Yeah. There it, there's lack of tone. Yeah. And it's all in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were also earlier today in a, a talk with Anna Hartman, and uh, the breadth of breath, right? B R E A D T H of breath. Breadth of breath. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and she was talking about how the, you know, it was not totally about breath, but it came back to that. One of the things she said specifically about breath was just about the tone of the diaphragm. And so she works with athletes, right, high-level um, uh, professional athletes. And she was talking about stiffness in the diaphragm and how when you're doing quick, you know, intense movements, you need, the diaphragm needs to work that way. It needs to, to kind of move quickly and there needs to be a stiffness. Mm -hmm. And then the goal is to find ways to create more three-dimensionality in that so right movement is more versatile. For somebody who's hypermobile, the goal is to create stiffness, yeah. right, within the body. Yeah, so <clears throat> hard, soft, that's how you first presented the idea to me. Pushing, we talked about pushing versus reaching, mm -hmm. right? I've been talking about it as, because in my mind it feels like pushing versus softening or allowing, right, opening up to to what's happening in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've got this idea of like stiffness, like tone versus lack of effort. But then there's also this piece of like, yes, slack. But then we talk about, and I don't know, maybe can, uh, Kristen can pan the camera over to our other folks who are here. Sit up tall, good posture. That was logic. What else uh, what was I going to say? We talk about non-effort in movement. Like, what's the experience of non-effort in movement, right? So if you're over-efforting, then you're creating tension. Uh -huh. right? That's the potential, right? Excess tension gets stored in the body. But if or there excess right effort, effort, but if there's no effort... Right, there can't be no effort, but so it's just so it, the balance of effort and ease, right? So there are all, there are, it is semantics in a way. It all means maybe something a little different. So, but here's what I like to do, is I'm going to switch apparatus with Kristen and okay. I'm going to give her the microphone you're going to give me the camera and Kristen has a throw it at one two three throw it throw it yeah Don't we want to hear your story <laughs> Kristen has a great uh, a great story about her work with Mary Bowen and um, Wendy LeBlanc Arbuckle uh, which is really really relevant to yep. this topic so here we go we're switching now <laughs> oh you're going <laughs> to did you really want to throw it no no okay here we go <laughs> Should I sit over there? Sit wherever you like. Right. Here's Kristen. Yeah, there's Kristen. My story is, as a new Pilates teacher, uh, I was coming out of um, injury from a couple car accidents, and I thought that if I worked harder and harder and harder, I would feel better and better and better. So I was, you know, jacked up shoulders about my ears, um, and I thought that I just had to have pain because that's actually what my doctors told me. You'll have this pain the rest of your life. So I just thought I had to work hard and, you know, do the best that I could. So I went to Wendy LeBlanc Arbuckle's studio in Austin, Texas for a weekend with Mary Bowen. And I'd worked with her a couple times at conferences and stuff. And I just wanted a deep dive in with Mary Bowen because she's my hero. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so I arrived. I think I'd had my second child, too. So I was... I was oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. a mess. And I thought that, you know, working hard was the answer. So there was a moment when I was on the Cadillac doing a roll-up, and I wish I knew the name of this big, tall Texan man. <laughs> big, six-foot-tall, manly man. Because he was a part of the trio, too, and I don't know his name. J.R.? 
that's oh. Pamela. That's Pamela Corey over there. <laughs> on the outskirts. She's making she's making an educated That's why I said JR. Oh, I get it. Pamela Corey from the Bay Area. I'm like, I don't know. JR. Oh right, that show. He was he was an apprentice with Wendy the Bog Darkle. So someone had their hands on my knees. I think that Mary had her hands on my chest. Someone had their hands on my knees, and somebody had their hands somewhere else. Well, all three of them had both of their hands on me, and they were talking softly to me and getting me to release my ribcage and soften into the movement. And it was actually terrifying to me because I was so used to gripping and working really hard to come up into my roll-up. So it was super, super challenging for me to let go and trust that my spine would actually articulate. So that moment when I actually let go and felt my spine articulate with ease, was it, I feel, it felt like a rebirthing. So I think back on that moment, like kind of going through a tunnel and coming out the other side, realizing that I actually could have ease in my moment, in my movement. And now it's, uh, you know, of course it translated into my teaching right away, because I feel like my original training was pretty classical and I was externally rotated and tucked know, working really hard, and that is not the right way for me to work. I need to be almost internally rotated and let everything turn off. And that's, for me, that's the best way for me to get the deeper results and soften into it. So I feel like I, I can give my clients a shortcut. I don't have to go through the 10 years of working really hard that I went through. So, uh, but also it's translated into my life too. And wow. Just to know that if my body can have better results when I soften, so many things that I stress about in my life and work hard, work hard, work hard, I now know that I can soften and relax and my life happens with more ease. Do you, um, can I Yeah, 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 here, let's do this. So, like, I'm so curious, like, when does it, at what point does it happen like that you notice, you know, like in your regular life? I'm very curious about this, how the way we do movement and how the way we talk to ourselves and the way we talk to our body actually shows up in other areas, literally. Like you're about to yell at your kid, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or something like that, you know. And so what, what happens first? How do you know? Like what is it? Well, I think awareness is the first piece, and I have now built into my awareness constant releasing, mostly my neck and shoulders because that's where my big tension pattern is. So throughout the day, I'm breathing and letting my arms hang like weights over and over and over and over. over. So now it's a pattern, and now I feel it when they come up. Mm. Yes. And I let them go right away, and that's been a long, I mean, that's been taking me a long time. And I still yell at my children. (laughs) But I always apologize afterwards. I tell them that wasn't the right thing for me to do. <laughs> I apologize. I'm a human. Yeah. Um, but now I hear my clients say all the time when I say, find the ease, find the ease. They say, oh, isn't that a perfect analogy for life, or mm-hmm. a metaphor for life? So I feel like I'm not only teaching movement, but I'm also helping people carry that into their everyday life. And for me taking the work into everyday movement is super important. Just noticing where, I mean, just noticing in the moments in your life, where are you tensing? For me, it was kind of doing the dishes and mm-hmm. lots of glutes up against the sink and shoulders yeah. up on my ears yeah. and stabbing pain behind my shoulder blades. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that just felt like 
normal life, what I had to live with. And now I know that if I bring awareness to it and breath and let my shoulders hang and let my butt relax, let my knees soften. Don't be such a tight ass, Kristen. I, to be honest, I don't do the dishes very much anymore. <laughs> we pay my son to do it. I was just going to say you pay your kids. <laughs> okay, so I'm interested to know if Pam or Lynn or Trinity, or Trinity have anything to say about this issue. Well, what, did, what is it? What is it? Well, what does it mean you to you over here, beautiful, okay, to push or not push? Coming from the dance background, and Tonfield can relate to this. Is um, I mean, you push. Me too. You push to get because every, everything is you learn by seeing, not by them really explaining what to do. So you work really hard. You kick ass. You know, you struggle. You, you know the more you give, the better you think you're going to be. And that's when you're young. I don't know, you know, that's also part of that age group. And then as you get older and you evolve, you realize you don't need to. A lot of it is from mentoring people who helped you understand that. <laughs> but for me, even though I mentally understood it, I didn't really know it physically in my body until age happened. Yeah. You know, yeah. that change of life. And then I was really hit over the head with it. Um, for me, I had severe nerve pain, sciatica, and that just shut me down. And it was me then letting go of all the effort. I had to do baby, baby steps, baby Pilates, baby walking, baby everything. And it was really frustrating from someone who was used to being so big and demonstrative, which I am in my personality. <laughs> personality. Uh, no inhibitions. So um, the, the more I let go, the more I under, I, I heard my body speak to me. Mm. You know, I, I listened to the signals. Those signals were very sharp at first, and it made me not do a lot of things that I really wanted to do, but I really couldn't. So the more I released and let go, I, my, my body voice got louder and louder. Mm -hmm. And I was able to, um, you know, I'm, I'm in my body. I thought I always knew what it was telling me to do, but I didn't really. So for me, I was sidelined by injury, and that's when I really started to go inward and realizing, realizing that all the movement really is just, for me, it's an expression of your breathing, which is life. Mm. So if I can use the movement as an example of, as the exercises, whatever you're doing, whether it's a sport or Pilates or yoga, that they're increasing my capacity for breath and for life. And I've seen it kind of ricochet and influence the rest of my life that I'm not, my husband says I'm calmer, <laughs> a lot more pleasant to be around. I'm not as reactive. Uh, I have a grown daughter, same thing. I think our relationship got closer because I stopped micromanaging not only her mm -hmm. but myself. So for me, I think it was, it, who knows? It could have been me getting older you know, you get a little wiser or being sidelined by injury. I think it's all of that. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, so. Has it, did it translate into your teaching? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, my students even noticed it, you know, noticed it, that I could be more articulate once I stopped and thought about things or took it from the inside out, you know, really organically. Mm. Uh, 
Yeah. Rather than, you know, just, I mean, I, I, I thought I used to do that, but I really didn't. <laughs> you, know, you see yourself where you're real, who you really are as you get older because you really don't care anymore what other people think. That's <laughs> 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 part of it. We'll get the men and you'll care. Um, but it's, it's really about, you know, discover, it's this discovery for yeah. you. Who are you? And right. what is your purpose That's here? Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and, and the movement mm -hmm. has helped me understand who I am. Pain. I love pain now. Ugh. I really do because I think pain has uh, taught me a lot of lessons. And fortunately, I've been able to heal. Yeah. And to not stay in pain because uh, of me letting go and listening. Nothing is, nothing is, nothing, nothing is permanent. No, it's going to change. Everything's going to change. change. But it, you have to change your whole mentality. Your, the brain has to change. It's, how do you do that? It's hard. For me, it was like I had no choice. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, you did. You probably. could have resisted and hardened against the whole that, thing. That's true. But, you know, why didn't I do it sooner? I think life happens. And if you're tuned in, which fortunately I was, having been a dancer living in my body for so long, you're tuned in. Your body is just, it's connected to the mind, and it's just as important as your mind. I think it is a mind. It has a mind of its own, right? That's governed by, you're not your brain, you're your mind. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't go through life governed by your brain. It's your mind telling your brain what to do, and consequently what your body should do. So anyway, I am rambling. It's I'm awesome. going to pass this on well, to somebody Pass it back to me, because I want to say something. Okay. <laughs> That's a surprise I know to everybody, because <laughs> usually I'm so shy. Pamela Corey was one of my first teachers, and I adore her. And right back at you. <laughs> so thank you. I'm so glad you're, you're here. Um, so just a, I was just having a thought early on. Um, again, we were talking about what Trent was talking about today, about manufacturing movement, and I think about it as over-engineering, right, like being too attached to the outcome potentially, or um, when you're giving, you're over-cueing, or you're talking too much, or, yeah, or you just think you're trying to get somewhere that's not really where you're trying to get, but you don't know, and then the student just ends up like totally unable to take it all in. He gave this really, I thought was kind of a funny thing, I might try it, is you put your student on the reformer to do footwork, hand them a magazine, and make them read the paragraph to you, right? So that they're just totally able to get out of the overthinking, which I think as teachers, that's what we often perpetuate. To me, that's a sense of pushing, right? And it's not so much physical pushing as it is there's a push to be something or to achieve something or to get something to happen, which, you know, especially as a young teacher, I feel like, oh, yeah, I was I'm really aware of that desire to like get something done, to see something happen, to have an outcome, hopefully a positive outcome. But that feels like pushing to me. And I think you do learn that that doesn't really work over time. So what else? We have been joined by the amazing Claudia Moose of Absolute Center. And she, she definitely has something to say I know she's usually shy too. She usually you usually have to um, ply her with lots of alcohol to get her to talk. But I think she might. <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, case in point. Claudia, why don't you sit in the chair? We I'm look much more comfortable on the floor. <laughs> stay on the floor. Stay on the floor. So, so Claudia, Claudia is one of the owners of Absolute Center in Lafayette, California, and uh, one of the 
founders and creators of Primal Pilates. Um, and awesome, amazing, beautiful soul. We loved her. And so, I don't know, what do you think about this idea of pushing versus not pushing? Pushing. Pushing. Of course, you set me up for that. Mm-hmm, I could mm-hmm. not do that. That's Absolutely. one of my favorite things. No, you push it. You push it real good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that going to be my new tagline. <laughs> there, salt and pepper. There's no question. Um, working in that atmosphere in early days, you know, you're trying to achieve. You, you're you're trying to get this expectation, achieve that with your client, and you're 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 force feeding. Um, the movement down their throat, <laughs> and it's just not—it's not fair to them. It's—it—it it leads to a, an unhappy experience overall, most of the time, or just not a a, a congenial experience. The the point, you know, that you know that wherever I've always been <laughs> surprised. I've always been a very forceful person. <laughs> In many aspects, and it was the the time when I finally realized less force is more, mm-hmm. and that's when it became a, 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 a one of those epiphanies. And it's like, okay, let's see what less you can do to create more. Mm-hmm. And and as you listen to your elders, if we so to speak, or anyone with any more experience, more experience than you, <laughs> they all will go into that direction. If you can go smaller, deeper, you're going to be at a greater experience than trying to, you know, make greater. A lot of um, strength training in my past, and, and lots of sports, and. Um, and, and, and power as being a measure of one's success, mm-hmm. and it it just it just I just kind of cry internally on if I had known the strength of in, the internal strength mm-hmm. as opposed to that external strength, what could have been, you know? And it's just like eh, you know I don't ever live in the past or anything like that. It's great that it's present now. And that you, it's able to be shared with others mm-hmm. to know how to, to tap into that in, internal strength, which is a really challenging skill to teach students yes. is to find that internal strength and to to appreciate that. And uh, it, it's great when I work with, especially the guys. I love. I call them my my. Um, Retired CEOs, which they pretty much are, and you know they they um, measure their success when they can go to the first tee and touch their toes, and all their other friends can't. <laughs> it's like, like, look what I can do, and that's because they develop flexibility and strength. You know, I always, I don't always look at flexibility alone. You need that strength to have the balance and not the strength like CrossFit strength it's a different strength and when you're ready you'll you'll understand that strength <laughs> but it's it's that internal being able to tap in and I'm, I just love to watch them grow in their Pilates training and appreciate the work 
of finding that internal strength. And you're not uh, you're not talking about physical internal strength, or are you? You're talking about all of it. Yeah, all it of it. It is. Mm-hmm. It, there's a physical internal strength, learning to tap in, and then all. But but it's set by the mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, exactly. You we're not muscles. Yeah. Newsflash: Muscles are dumb. <laughs> well, what did Anna say today? Muscles are the garbage cans of yes, the body. Exactly. Oh, wait, everybody. Oh, no, to be true. No. My world has just been turned. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, there, it's who, who's sending the message? How's the message getting there? You know, so the message is sent from the mind, the brain, and it's sent through our nervous system, which is through our fascial system. So that's the communication and our endocrine. That's all that emphatic. We got we got all that. That's the communication, and that's what we have to tap into. How well we become at our communication in our body, not you know the size of your bicep, mm-hmm. <laughs> the size which I think we're pretty much past. But <laughs> but it's 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 a it's more of a measure of that and how well you can tap into that and 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 that that inner strength comes with our consciousness and tapping into that consciousness because that's really the in my evolution the next level mm-hmm. it's kind of a cool little, yeah it's a little discovery happening <laughs> yeah and at the same time you've also discovered something really beautiful about movement right in the primal pilates work do you want to say anything about that oh you're so kind well, because it's connected. I mean, it's yeah. not, you know, these things that we're talking about are not mutually exclusive. I mean, there is a big movement in general for, you know, in a lot of different arenas of movement professionals to come back to something that is about being able to be out of alignment and in alignment, out of balance and in balance, right? That positive compensation, yeah. that variability in the breath and the body and the nervous system and in the brain and it's all, it's an alignment with what you're talking about, I think, with the Shanta. evolution of... You're so right. Um, that's part of the, the discovery and the, the purpose behind this. You know, I've done many years of assessment training and alignment, and, and I'm very, I appreciate that. And very, very strict... Um, resistance training and a lot of strict and and I'm not sure that that has been as successful as it was with my own experience I was seeking something those that wasn't working mm-hmm. so I was seeking lots of different um, ways to tap into how to change how to make this how to get the communication I lost contact with um, the lateral aspect of my right side and the lower half. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there wasn't a connection there. And I'm like, okay, how can I get that connection? And what it, what's, what is it that needs to happen? Okay, isolation does not work. And uh, we went into many different, I went into many different dis, um, discoveries of different trainings, fascial, and through many different practitioners and Feldenkrais, and oh gosh, I can't even name you all the different ways. And with that, one of the, the major discoveries is, yeah, it, 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 for me, if there's a problem, why don't we go back through 
and like any kind of problem solving, go back through the steps and see where the breakdown occurs. And with that, I looked at the motor development. Bonnie Braybridge, Braybridge Cohen was amazing with that. And, and I was just like, well, that makes so much sense. So let's look at that. We go through our motor development. Perfect. Then looking at some of the other components that come into ours is in our principles is our head and neck control. So just to clarify, because if maybe we weren't clear enough, is that so what you're talking about is primal Pilates. So this is something very, very cool that you should all check out. Primal Pilates. This is a new program, a new evolution of Pilates that so you I feel like from our conversations you were the foundation of the program. But Katie and Louise are obviously they're my business partners and we work as a team. And so Louise does a lot of the presentations because I'm shy. <laughs> As you can tell. <laughs> As you can tell. <laughs> and this is, um, it's a shared venture. I brought this idea to them. And I, I looked at, you know, how Pilates, Joseph Pilates developed his work. And he studied under animals. We use a lot of animal-like movements in ours. We do human movement, which we refer to the Bartinia fundamentals. So we reinstate Ermgard's strength in her fundamentals, and we use the, the, the work from um, what Peggy Hackney did with making connections. And we pay homage to all these great movement stars, is what I refer to them. And Shirley Sharman and all this, this, this great information that Joseph Pilates, Moshe Feldenkrais, um, you and know, from yoga, all this kind of stuff. And we put it to a systematic approach. So what it is, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to crawl and, and put it into my um, quadruped work. Mm -hmm. No, there's more to it. We bring in with that human movement. We, we bring in our, our head and neck control. Breath is a huge part of it. Um, we have our animal life. And we also bring in Philip Beach's work. Uh -huh, so we uh -huh. have ancestral uh, postures or our ancestral roots. And that's really important part of our mobilization part of our joint mobility a lot of fascial working working in to come out dynamic flexibility and what something that is I think missing in a lot of our movement is exploration mm -hmm. so as my education movement exploration you know going back to college I had that was part of my education in college Run and you need to get out of college okay hi I'd like to teach movement exploration and they're like yeah right <laughs> we're gonna get a job right <laughs> so now it's like so awesome to bring movement exploration to something and we we bring that and, and we bring that through some of the transitions and some of the travels that we do in, in um, primal Primal Pilates is one aspect. It's called Primal Movement Works, and we have a foundation course called Primal Foundation, which teach the fundamentals. And then we have two tracks from there. If you're a Pilates teacher, and you need to be a Pilates teacher because you need to know the repertoire, then we go into the Primal Pilates. And if you're not, if you're more of a, um, a personal trainer, then we go into Primal Body Strength. And, oh yeah, <laughs> it's it, even a Pilates teacher will love it because it will challenge you. It's awesome. So we're we're in the the state of 
developing all the um, courses and things of that sort. And it's really neat. Um, I have lab on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8.30 in my studio. <laughs> Go info Marshall. Woohoo! Oh, my students, they know it. They're like, oh, this is lab day today. And I'm like, yeah. It's awesome. And it's great. It's so wonderful to see most of the individuals in the class, most of my students are 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And just to watch them, watch them grow in their movement. And, and, and that's the neat thing about the, the progression. It can be applied to any age and you just put it, place it in to what level is appropriate for that person. And, you know, there's a few rules. We don't, I don't really like to use rules, but your, your movement's led by your breath. We avoid the hi-yah moment <laughs> where you're like, but, and you do what you can. And that's a real important part of it is doing what you can. Chantil, thank you. You're so awesome. You're so So awesome. that's actually like such a great way to finish yeah. uh, do what you is allowing, right? So the, uh, I think the idea that you're talking about is allowing the movement to happen, right? In any way that it can is yes. what I'm getting. But it's not based on nothing. It's not based on because nothing. You have it's an not higher background there, and I just I have to I feel like I have to bring this full circle because you mentioned Bartiniev and Laban. Well, you didn't say Laban, but you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I did. Sorry, you mentioned um, Bartiniev and Peggy Hackney's book, and you know I don't know if you know this, but Gentry worked with Ann Hutchinson, and she was one of the people that started the Dance Notation Bureau in New York City. So Eve comes from that lineage as well. And that's my lineage. Yeah. So I think. I think what we're on to is maybe, you know, just to take a, like a pause and, and everybody gets to either just keep doing what they're doing or maybe take a moment and um, consider and maybe feel what that's like in your body. Like, ooh, movement exploration? Is that scary? Is that taking me into is. Yeah, is that taking me into fear, pain, and startle? Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, you know, yeah. or is that like a little like a little edge thing mm -hmm. for a lot of us, you know, it's like, I know for me, you know, I was a modern dancer, did a lot of composition, a lot of improv, it was what we did, we explored movement, you know, because it was back in the 70s, and you're, you know, that's when I was doing all of that, and uh, it was normal and welcome, but, um, yeah, movement, oh, I kind of try to end on this a little bit, if we can, <laughs> yeah. like the... We started with push less, maybe soften, see how the world looks differently through that lens, like your experience of yourself, but also your experience of everything else in your life. Now I kind of want to, I want to leave it with. You're gonna leave. You're gonna leave them hanging, aren't you? Well, I, you know, okay. Hang so we always invite. Well, we always invite people to come back with us the next time. Like sometimes it's one podcast, and sometimes it's a little bit yeah, of a we series conversation. I'd be very curious. Um, for the people that are listening, um, just maybe consider for yourself. Like, if I actually gave myself permission, if it's interesting to you, to explore the movement as opposed to get it right, you know? <laughs> and how you're, well, I don't know, like, what's that going to feel like in a week or a month, mm -hmm. right? And not only what does it feel like for you, in how your own body, how right, mean? how does it relate? How do your students shift and change, and what's that like? You know, it's always interesting. It's like, what if you just stop talking for a moment? You know, do your students move? Do they stop? 
Do they do they go to fear? Do they go to startle? Right, because that was kind of the topic today. Mm-hmm. It just stopped talking. Just like walk out of the room. Who said that? Somebody said that this weekend. Okay. Somebody was like, I can't remember what brilliant person it was this weekend. I mean, there's so many of them here. Just how about you just walk out of the room and give your oh it had to be Mary right oh. before she said fuck. Here we go again. <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry. Just I'm just that way. Yeah. So it was. We are. I think we all are just that way. <laughs> so it, I'm sure it was her. Yeah. And none of you are here that were in the workshop with um, her. Just get like get out of the way. You know, like let this. You've got. If you don't let the student own it, then and if you never get out of the way. Well, you're not really giving them anything. You're just giving them a script, right? And we never use a script. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the ease that you're talking about, yeah, yeah, get out say. of the way thing is an absolute metaphor for that. Let it go. You know, get out of your own way. Somebody said that. We've heard that a couple of times. A couple of times that we're in our own way. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing that I've been thinking about, listening to all these very seasoned teachers talk here, is that um, it, uh, it's easy to uh, hear and, and think, uh, experience a new movement that maybe goes against what we know so far, and we're very, very resistant to it, and we refuse to integrate it. I think that's a disservice to ourselves as developing ourselves as teachers and to our students. I uh, feel like there's such value in integrating the new information. It doesn't mean necessarily that the way you were doing it before was wrong. It was just the way you were doing it before. Mm-hmm. Now we're right going to do this, which is what, um, which is a really what I really liked about uh, what Claudia said was movement exploration. Yes. What if you did this or did that or, you know, what if you puckered your lips up or, you know, whatever it to be. So. <laughs> it just makes me <laughs> I, I have to say it. Yeah. I have to say it. Uh-oh. So, I know. Now. I know. You should be just a little. I'm so gun shy now. Straight from, <laughs> straight from Mary Bowen's mouth. You have to feel it all the way to your, what did she say? Asshole. She did. Yes. <laughs> I think we can all. end on that. <laughs> so, I <laughs> That's not really the way that we want to end. It's we do want to reiterate okay. this idea <laughs> of exploring. You'll be okay. I'm just older. I'm older. I'm from New England. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to share the story that you shared with me recently about leaving your house. I won't share it. I won't share it. Okay. Troy not have said Okay. In any case, you're not so out of my league, I darling. <laughs> It's the other way around, I think. <laughs> I'm totally out of... I'm out of your league. Wait, you're out of my league? We're in, you're we're better in, than me. No, That's no. what I mean to say. We're in the league together. We're in league together. You're in, in a league, league of your own. We are, <laughs> you're in a league. Of, we are totally digressing. The ending... <laughs> okay, so it's really about exploring. I think so. And allow yourself to explore... And to bring Amy back into the, or into the conversation for the first time, don't make a rule of it. Don't make a rule of it. Some of the wisest words I have ever heard about about teaching. 
you know, don't make a rule of it. Like, try something on, and if it's not working and you don't like it and it doesn't sit well with you, go back to the way you were doing it or go someplace else. So explore, examine, play. Experiment. Experiment. Question. Take a deep breath. When you notice you're holding your breath, exhale. All right. I think that's it for us. Ah, yay. Thank yay. you, everybody. Oh, my. I'm so thank you. I want to hear between your ears and swim inside your brain. Oh.